Amen. Hey, Judges chapter 9. Thank you guys for letting me go through the announcements. I struggle with the announcements. Sometimes we've talked about doing video announcements, make it more succinct and concise and get it done. But I just love talking about all the stuff that we're doing here at South Beach Church. It blesses me. It reminds me. Hopefully it strengthens you. The three Ps are so you can participate in the announcements, pray for the announcements, or help other people plug into the announcements. It's important that we all know what's going on here. But Judges chapter 9. And you guys who have been studying through the word know that in the book of Judges, the children of Israel are in the promised land. Oh, it's a good thing. But they're all messed up. And every time they get all messed up, God has to raise up a judge in order to deliver them from themselves. Which isn't that a good thing that God's able to deliver us even from ourselves? Raise your hand if God has delivered you from yourself. Man, I want deliverance from all these other things and deliver me from this and that. It's me. I'm the problem. And God will deliver you from yourself. And God loves us. And so as we've been studying the book of Judges, we've looked at Othniel and Ehud and Barak. And we've looked at all these other, Deborah and these other judges. And and Gideon. Gideon gets chapter 6 and 7 and 8 dedicated to him. The longest of all the judges. The most details in his life. Ah, But as you remember, as God used him powerfully, he ended poorly. I just need to say that. I need to say it as often as I can. He started out strong but ended bad. And, and I'm 45 years old, and I've got a few more decades left in me of running hard for the Lord. And what I want for those last few decades is to get better, not bitter. To get stronger, not weaker. To get closer to the Lord, not further away. As is the custom with so many in history and so many in the church, may that be your challenge as well. Listen, to not be like Gideon, who made some bad decisions in his last days, but to be like Caleb, who when he was super old said, what are we doing? Let me in front of the line. You know, he was the first at bat. And let's stay hot and ready for the Lord. Well, here's the deal. Gideon had 70 sons with one concubine and many other wives. One of those sons from the concubine, a Shechemite, his name was Abimelech. Abimelech, he was kind of on the outside. He had a Jew for a dad, but a Shechemite for a mom, and so he wasn't part of the clan. And yet Abimelech got this name. We don't know if his mom named him Abimelech or Gideon did, but his name means my dad's the king. You guys remember that? My father's the king. And the people wanted Gideon to be the king, but in a moment of what we'll call false humility, Gideon said, no, I'll never be your king, but I sure would like to, you know? And he said, I'll take an offering. He started doing like kingly things with lots of wives and lots of weird stuff. He started blowing it and said the right thing, but did the wrong thing right after it. You ever done that before? Where it's merely lip service? Oh, may the Lord convict us. And and Gideon shows us that, and he births all these kids, and a couple are named, a couple are named. Jotham is one of them, and so is Abimelech. Now, I got to get to the story. You guys know that Abimelech, he had self-ambition in his heart, and he desired to be known as better than the rest of his brothers, and so he caused a whisper campaign to the Shechemites and says, guys, you know what would be better than having 70 sons of Gideon ruling you all? One son to rule them all. And he killed his other brothers all on one stone, which literally means he beheaded them one after another. Just the darkest imagination you could see. And this happened in Jotham. Jotham, which means Jehovah is perfect. Jotham, one of Gideon's sons, hid himself. And you guys remember this two weeks ago, that Jotham ran up to Mount Gerizim while they were making Mary down below and they were making Abimelech their new king. And all of a sudden, Jotham yelled from up top and said, hey, listen to me. And he gave a parable, the first parable in the Old Testament 
A parable is a story you tell and lay it alongside of a situation to illustrate a principle. And so he told the story of the four sets of trees, the olive tree and the fig tree and the grapevine, all being asked to be the president, el numero uno. And they all said, no, we don't want to serve in that way. We know our lane. We know our call. But the bramble, the good for nothing bramble, was finally asked, would you be king over us? And the bramble said, I thought you'd never ask. Come and gather and get some shade under my brambly bushes. And if you've ever tried to, you know, snuggle up next to a blackberry bush, it's not too cool. You know, there's not a lot of shade involved. As a matter of fact, bramble bushes or tumbleweeds back in those days would almost always only cause trouble and eventually they would cause fires within themselves and they would actually bring damage to the olive trees to the grapevine and to the fig trees here's the deal we called this two weeks ago in this portion of scripture if you're a note taker what not to do so today's sermon is titled what not to do Part two, write that on your notes there, part two. And if you're looking for something else of more depth, the perils of self-promotion and the principles of sowing and reaping. We're gonna see that identified here. So hopefully you guys understand where we're at now. Abimelech is in charge. Heads are rolling. It's bad news. People are hurting. Look at verse 22. It says, after Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years, God sent a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech that the crime done to the 70 sons of Jerubbabel, that's Gideon, might be settled and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother who killed them, and on the men of Shechem who aided him in the killing of his brother. Stop right there, eyes up here. Wow, so much going on. After three years, all of a sudden, listen, everything comes to the light. The dastardly deed of Abimelech, as well as the Shechemites, was going to be put upon their own heads. God is going to have his way. Did you know this is great news for those of you who hunger and thirst after righteousness? Is anyone looking around at the world today saying, oh, 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 oh. you know, is anyone, anyone else doing that? Oh, 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 oh. You see the injustice and whatever, fill in the blanks. You're just mad about stuff? Listen, God sees it all. God knows it all. This is the principle of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you will reap. And if you're sowing silly stuff, I promise you, nothing gets lost, nothing gets missed. God will bring it to the surface. That's both a blessing for those of you who are sowing righteousness, but it's also, listen, a warning for anyone in here who thinks they're getting away with anything. You can't get away with anything. It's gonna be brought to the surface, which is, by the way, a good thing. I'm so glad that the Lord doesn't let me get away with anything. Can anybody in here say amen to that? Amen. I'm so glad that the Lord says, Luke, we can't be doing that. That's not what we do. That's not going to take you where you want to go. It's actually going to take you further than you want to go. It's going to cost you more than you want to pay. It's going to keep you longer than you want to stay. It's going to take advantage of you every single time. And when you finally learn this lesson of sin and rebellion, oh, you realize, I don't want to do that. But listen, when you also realize that if you don't grow weary in well-doing, you will bear a harvest. You will reap a harvest if you don't grow weary and well-doing. Keep reading, keep studying, keep shining, keep repenting, keep loving, keep forgiving, keep growing. Don't quit. Interesting. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to make reference as we go through the rest of this portion of Scripture. Abimelech, his name means my dad's the king. He is a picture and a type. If you're a prophecy student here today, lean in. He's a picture and a type of the Antichrist of things to come. He's a shadow of the Antichrist. Notice it says here that after he ruled for three years, everything gets weird. 
You who know the book of Revelation know that after three and a half years, after the Antichrist has taken over one world government rulership, things begin to come unraveled very quickly, and it gets very dark as well. You'll see other areas where this is kind of a type and a picture of the Antichrist. Look at verse 22. Let's just look at it. It says, after Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years. Let's just be honest here. Is three years a long time or a little time? Like it's just, I would call it a long time especially for injustice to be ruling. It's a long time. I mean, it's a little less than one presidential you know, term. Or anything, but anyways, it's a long time. Three, that's funny. Thank you for some of you guys listening out there. Three years, you know, of suffering. Jotham up on the hill had yelled out a prophecy. I didn't read it. Read it later in your life group. A prophecy that was going to come down to haunt Abimelech and his men. And then he took off. And one year goes by. All things are normal. It's getting worse. Two years go by. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. Three years go by. It's getting worse. And then all of a sudden, read verse 23. It says, God sent a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. Stop right there. Eyes up here. This is so crazy. Abimelech and Shechem, these are partners in crime. But after three years, that which is founded on crime and sin now becomes sinful and full of darkness and difficulty. The word there is treacherously. This is the nature of sin. Anything founded on darkness or sin or rebellion or chaos will eventually produce like-minded treachery, chaos, and rebellion and difficulty. Just take it to the bank. So too, when you do the things that are right, it will produce righteousness and life and fruit. Notice here, though, it says that God sent a spirit of ill will. Is that kind of freaky to you? It's kind of weird. When I read that, I'm like, that's kind of weird. God sent a spirit of ill will. I don't know what that means. I do know that God commands both evil spirits and good spirits. God's in control of every single thing, right? So God can do whatever God wants to do. That's theology 101. There is a God and you're not him. Okay, settle this, settle it right there. God is sovereign and he's good. I would suggest, though, that you and I right now are under attack all day long. Would anybody agree with that? You're under attack. The devil hates you. He wants to take you out. He wants to wipe you down. He wants to just mess you up. He wants to get in your life. But God has given you an umbrella of protection. He protects you. Read Job chapter 1. You're protected. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You can fear nothing in this world. But did you know that if you choose to walk outside from that umbrella of protection of God's goodness and favor in your life, you're going to subject yourself to spirits of ill will. You're going to find yourself walking in no man's land, apart and away from God's umbrella of protection. Can you see it in your mind's eye? God is good. His umbrella is wide. He has room for everybody. But if I start walking around doing weird things and gaining alliances with Shechemites and Abimelechs, it's going to get weird. Could it be that when God sent a spirit of ill will towards this group of people, that it was as simple as God taking his hand of protection off them? Because if God takes his hand of protection off you because of your rebellion, your rebellion, rebellion, because of the things that you're doing in your life, and now all of a sudden you're, why is this so dark in my life? Why is this spiritual warfare so real in my life? What's going on? I feel like I'm being punished. Maybe, maybe. I don't like the word punishment because Jesus, this is Old Testament, but Jesus bore the punishment of our sins. But when you are afflicted by darkness or demons or spiritual warfare, you're not being punished, but you are being disciplined. God disciplines those whom he loves. And when I find it getting, man, it's so hot in my life, and it's so tired in my life, and it's so hard, so fruitless and dry, Lord, what gives? And he's way over there. And it wasn't him that walked off, it was me. Abimelech, 
and the Shechemites. These guys, they brought this upon themselves. It says God sent a spirit of ill will. I don't know what that means. I don't know what's going on here, but they dealt treacherously one with another. By the way, this is what the Antichrist will do when he comes in and woos people to himself through lies and chaos and betrayal, and then eventually it's going to go the other direction, and attacks are going to come. Verse 24, it says the crime, we read that, will be paid for and taken uh, to the court system. Look at verse 25. It says, and the men of Shechem, they set men in ambush against him on the tops of the mountains, and they robbed all who passed by along the way, and it was told Abimelech. Stop right there, eyes up here. It's just kind of interesting. Abimelech, the king now, his self-promoted king, and the Shechemites, his people group he's ruling, are now at odds with each other. They voted him into office and all the rest, but now they hate him and all this stuff. And so the Shechemites are taking the roadways, and they're taking the taxes from these guys who are supposed to pay him, and they're robbing people, and it's just all backwards and I just have here written in my margin by verse 25, sin bites. This is what I wrote. It's kind of just like, hey, don't forget. You can strike a deal with sin and think it's going to be favorable to you, but eventually you're just going to get bit. And here the Shechemites are now biting back on Abimelech, who killed his brothers and forged this alliance. But now all of a sudden they're taking his taxes. They're coming to get him. Man, I'm just going to repeat myself over and over. There's nothing good in this entire chapter. It's all negative learning. We're going to learn what not to do today a hundred times over. Maybe you're in a season right now in your life. You just need to see how bad it can get so you can start to make course corrections and do the right thing. These guys are all out of balance. Look at verse 26. It says, now Gaul, this guy's got a lot of gall, that's for sure. Now Gaul, the son of Ebed, he came with his brothers and went over to Shechem. And the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. And so they went out into the fields and gathered grapes from their vineyards and they trod them and made merry. And they went into the house of their God and ate and drank and cursed Abimelech. And then Gaul, the son of Ebed, said, who's Abimelech and who's Shechem that we should serve him? Uh, by the way, Gaul is a little bit tipsy at this point. He's drunk. Is he not the son of, uh, you know, trouble, he's burping, trouble, and is not Zebel his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem, but why should we serve him? And then he talks major trash, verse 29. If only this people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. And so he said to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. Stop right there, eyes up here. This is crazy. This is new guy Gaul. A new problem emerges, which by the way, I have this written in my margin here. Expect problems when you're walking in sin. Have you ever just kind of like done a few sinful things and hidden it and justified it and you're going on your merry way and all of a sudden new guy Gaul and new problems show up? Where's this guy even coming from? He comes out of nowhere, grabs a couple homies, gets some grapes, makes some wine, has a party, starts talking trash. You ever been to parties like this before? Don't raise your hands. You ever, you know, you ever seen somebody have too much to drink and they start, that one guy, I'll tell you why, if I could do something about this one guy. You know, have you ever seen a drunk person just really go for it? Man, it's not, it's not pretty. And that's what's happening here. This is why the Bible says don't get drunk amongst other reasons. It specifically says don't get drunk. Stay away from drunkenness. It'll lead to weird stuff and brawling and red eyes and all the rest. I actually heard in some areas of recovery where you're trying to get off the bottle, what they'll do is they'll take video footage of you from times where you were drunk or at parties, and they'll make you watch that in your sobriety, where at one point you thought you were pretty cool and funny, but you're just like gall, man. You're just making a fool of yourself. Well, that's what's happening here. And so many things you could just apply to your own life as it just continues to get darker and unravel. Abimelech has been leading the Shechemites 
But because it's built on silliness and betrayal and darkness, all of a sudden, Gaul comes up and gets drunk and goes to the Shechemites and says, hey, you know what? I'd be a better leader than, than Abimelech. And they said, dude, we've been looking for a good leader. We're just going to jump ship the same way we came onto the last ship. We just jumped ship there. I could talk a lot about loyalty and allegiance and gaining people to be your friends and go to your church or be part of your group and all, all that, though here is just darkness. We can see that so clearly. But people are fickle, aren't they? People are so fickle. I'm fickle myself. And what we really need to do is have the Lord search our hearts and have our commitment be upwards and then outwards. May the Lord search our hearts and give us that stick to to be tough in those relationships that matter most. But here it's just falling apart so quickly, so grossly. Not a word. Don't take notes when you're writing that down there. But I just have here in my margin, verse 28, it says, sin will kill. Verse 28 says, Then Gaul, the son of Ebed, said, Who's Abimelech and who's Shechem that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jerubbabel? Isn't that interesting logic? When Abimelech approached the Shechemites, he said, My mom is a Shechemite. Let me be your ruler. And now all of a sudden, Gaul is saying, His dad is a Jew. They're not one of us. Just flip the script right on him. And instead of looking at his mom, which was a Shechemite, he's now, He's a dad, his dad's a Jew. He's not even one of us. And this is exactly how sin will destroy you. You think it might be your friend. You think it might be loyal, this drug or this drink or this person or this relationship, this kind of sinful thing that you want so bad. Isn't it crazy how we want bad things? Do you know the 10th commandment in the Bible is thou shalt not covet? Don't want things that you don't need. Don't want things you shouldn't have. It's one of the 10 commandments. Like the Ten Commandments. Our culture is built on coveting too, just so you guys know that. When you see commercials, when you get catalogs in the mail, when you go to the mall, when you go to school on Tuesday and see all, man, covet, you know what I'm saying? The Tenth Commandment. Did you know that if you don't listen, this is important. How many of you guys know all the, all the commandments? You guys know the Ten Commandments? Everyone know? You guys want to learn the Ten Commandments today? You'll never forget the Ten Commandments, okay? The Tenth one, everyone show me your hands. Show me your hands. These are your grubby little hands, okay? The Tenth Commandment, you got ten fingers. That's the Ten Commandments. Don't, don't want what you don't have. But if you, if you want what you don't have or don't need, you're going to likely break all the other nine commandments, maybe not in succession, but eventually. You guys know what the first commandment is? Anybody know? One God. There's only one God. You should have one God before you. Everyone, everyone show me your finger. One God. Just your one God. Okay, the second one, you guys know what the second, the second uh, commandment is? You, you, you shall not bow down. Everyone, everyone do that. Everyone show me. Show me over here. You guys, don't bow down to idols. Don't bow down to idols. Okay, one God. Don't bow down to idols. Everyone show me your three fingers right there. The, the third one, what's the third commandment? Everybody know it? Imagine you're Spock. You got the V there. Don't take the Lord's name in vain, okay? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. You guys are never going to forget that now. Don't take the Lord. What about the fourth one, okay? Fourth commandment is... Keep the Sabbath holy. Relax. Take it easy. Go golfing. Four. Okay? Follow me. Follow me. It's okay. It's okay. You'll never forget. I'm just trying to be a Bible teacher here. The fourth commandment is take the Sabbath holy. Keep the Sabbath holy. What about the fifth one? Comes out comes Big Papa. Big Papa, honor your father and mother. That's a commandment. The first four are upwards, and the last six are outwards, and the first one is honor your mom and dad. There's my mom and dad right there. I love you guys. Honor you. I respect you. appreciate you. Honor your father and mother. Now, the sixth commandment, we're going to pull out this knife over here. We're going to kill, every, kill everybody else, okay? Thou shalt not kill. That's the sixth commandment. Everyone show me kill. Let me see. See? I'm, I'm not, I don't do ASL, but this could be, you know, don't, don't, maybe it is. Don't kill. And how about the seventh commandment? You guys know what that is? Let's keep these two away from these five. Thou shalt not commit adultery. 
You're like, oh, that's okay. Keep these two over here. Don't go over here. Keep these two. Don't commit adultery. And what about, what about the eighth commandment? We're going to go ahead and we're going to take these two. We're going to steal one from over here. We're going to make a little thing right there. We, thou shalt not steal. Okay, we got eight right there. We just kind of stole something from this guy. Thou shalt not steal. Eight is almost nine. Let's just call it nine. It's a little white lie. Thou shalt not lie. And then the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. So you guys got that, right? Okay, figured it out. I went to a youth conference one time where if we couldn't cite the Ten Commandments, we couldn't eat. Okay? Every meal we had to do it. So, man, we learned. Hopefully you guys learned because you're not leaving unless you can cite that back to me at the end. So, What's the commandment that he's breaking? All of them. He's murder, covetous, idolatry. I mean, it's just chaos upon chaos. But it started because he wanted something that wasn't his. And I don't even know how to underscore this more. I don't know where you're at in your journey. He wanted to be promoted. Wanted, wanted people to think better of himself than he was. Abimelech. And now it's leading to so much pain. The higher you are, the farther you fall. The Bible says that promotion is not from the east or the west or the south, but it's from the Lord, Psalm 75. Let the Lord, let the Lord decide who you are and where you're to be. Walk in humility. The Lord gives grace to the humble, but resistance to the prideful. All that is happening right here. It's so important for me to study this out and to learn a lesson because these are normal dudes doing normal things that leads to chaos. And to think any of us are better than them would be foolish. And God's given to us examples that we might grow from them and see God's grace in our own lives. Look at verse 29. He says, if only this is, again, Gaul's big drunken speech. He says, if only these people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. And so he said to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. You guys remember King Solomon, or not King Solomon, but King David's son Absalom did the exact same thing. Absalom had some beautiful hair. His dad has too busy for everyone. Absalom, David's son, went to everyone. He's like, dude, if I was in charge, I could handle your counseling. I would marry your daughters and sons. I would go to your kids sports games you could come over i'd do a life group i'd invite you for sure we'd be best friends here's my number and he had this whisper campaign and he said you know what one day i'm the king now let's go after david and he turned the whole kingdom against david it's this idea of self-promotion look at verse 30 now when zebal another new guy the ruler of the city he heard the words of gaul the son of ebed his anger was aroused, and he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Hey, take note, Gaul, the son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to Shechem, and here they are, fortifying the city against you. Stop right there, eyes up here. I just need to point this out. Zebul, maybe he was at the party. I don't know. Zebul hears about it. Zebul works for Abimelech. Gaul now is talking trash. The men of Shechem have switched sides. And when Zebul hears it, he gets fired up. You ever get fired up before? You ever get mad before and you start doing stuff? Don't do stuff when you're mad, okay? New rule. Don't do stuff when you're mad. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 says, be swift to, to listen, slow to speak, and slow to what? Anger. My, my Bible says wrath. And then the next verse says, for the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Have you rageaholics figured that out yet? Have you anger management people figured that out yet? Have you critics and armchair quarterbacks figured that out yet? This is going to change your life. The wrath of man, that's not okay. That's wrong. They're off. Cool. Yeah, we see it. You're not, you're not wrong. I'm going to do something about it. Careful. Careful, I'm gonna get crazy. Careful, careful. The wrath, check, it's a principle. The wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. 
you don't need to raise your hands, but how many of you guys want the righteousness of God? We all do. I want it. I want it. Well, I'm going to go bomb that place then. Eh. Well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Eh. I'm going to tell them what, what I really think. Eh. Don't do it. Don't do it. Let the, you, you're supposed to have conviction of heart. Truth doesn't change for anybody. Principles never change. God's truth, is, it remains. And when you're convicted of a truth or a principle and the world is going crazy and it's wrong, okay, I agree with you. Things in this world bother me, agitated. But here Zebel gets an idea. Listen, I just want to underscore, this is the text. Zebel gets an idea. It's like, Abimelech, they're talking trash. He wants to fight you, and he's going to give him an idea. Here's what we do, Abimelech. And he's going to actually, listen, start this whole war, this civil war. And Zebel's going to tell Abimelech what to do. We'll study it. And guess what Abimelech does? He takes that advice and he does it. Pounds out that email. Send. Goes on messenger. Tell him what I think about him. Send. Send a text message to them. Send. You guys ever send like that? Send, you know, just really get into it. You know, I'm going to tell them. And he starts doing these things. And here's what's going to happen. Zebel's going to die. Abimelech's going to die. The Shechemites are going to die. Gaul's going to die. They're all going to die. What if Zebel would have said, man, we got to fix this. Shechemites are mad. Gaul's frustrated. Abimelech, you need to go see a pastor and pr- confess your sin. This is all messed up. It would have went a whole different way. But if you remember Judges, the very last verse, you guys remember the very last verse of this whole book? It says there was no king in Israel at that time, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. That's what this whole 400-year period is about. It's illustrating and underscoring the capacity of man's depravity. It's a sad story. But there's so many things to learn from, and you and I could read it like armchair quarterbacks and say, man, what a bunch of idiots, you know, all you guys. But there's little nuggets we can learn from. And I have mucked up so many situations, gummed up situations, murked up the waters when I got mad and decided to take matters into my own hands and send that text or that email or say what was on my mind when the Lord says, you might want to sleep on that. You might just want to consider thinking before you speak. Well, Zebul says, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. Listen, look, let's read some verses now. Verse 32. Now, therefore, get up, this is Zebul talking, by night, you and the people who are with you, and lie in wait in the field. And it shall be as soon as the sun is up in the morning that you shall rise early and rush upon the city. And then he and the people who are with him come out against you that you may do to them as you find opportunity. Zebul's his commander. He's given this advice. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him, they rose by night and they lay in wait against Shechem in four different companies. Now, God sent an ill spirit to them. God sent Gaul, this trash talker, to them. I believe God actually sent Zebel to make this hot-headed reaction. All of this because if you remember in verses 23 or 24, it says God was going to bring to light the atrocities on the hands and on the heads of Abimelech and the men of Shechem. This has to go its way. You ever look at somebody's company or family or country that slowly starts to fall apart? You're like, wow, what the heck happened? And yet we don't know the details yet. God does, and he says, well, stuff comes to the surface. It just does, unless you bring it to the surface first, unless you run to the altar and say, Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. Would you forgive me? Would you restore me? Would you protect me? Would you humble me? And as you present yourself to the Lord, he says, forgiven, forgiven. These guys were not crying out for justice or forgiveness. They wanted vengeance. Look at verse 34. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night, lay in wait in Shechem and four companies. And then when Gaul, the son of Ebed, went out and he stood at the entrance of the city gate, Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from lying in wait. There's a valley between them now, two 
armies coming together. And then Gaul, he saw the people. He said to Zebul, evidently they're either friends, maybe Zebul's a double agent, I don't know. Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. And Zebul said to him, you see the shadows of the mountains as if they were men. Maybe he was saying, Gaul, you had so much to drink last night. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, this is day two. Zebul's like, no, that's just shadows as this army's coming down from the other side. Zebul's doing him dirty too, double crosser on both sides. Verse 37, so Gaul spoke again and said, hey, see, people are coming down from the center of the land. And another company is coming from the diviner's turban tree. And then Zebul said to him, ha, where indeed is your mouth now with which you said, who's Abimelech, that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despised? Go out, if you will, and fight against them now. Zebul shows his true colors and says, you're in trouble now, big guy. Go see if you can fight these guys like you were talking trash yesterday. Verse 39, so Gaul went out, leading the men of Shechem, and he fought with Abimelech. This is so gross. Just liars fighting liars. Bad guys fighting bad guys. Abimelech fighting the bad guy. Gaul and Zebul standing there. It's just crazy. It's unfortunate. Look what happens next. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled from him. Verse 40. And many fell wounded to the very entrance of the gate. And then Abimelech dwelt in Aruma. And Zebul drove out Gaul and his brothers so that they would not dwell in Shechem. Gaul's gone now. The fight is underway. Zebul and Abimelech have an opportunity to do the right thing, but he is so enraged and wrong. Look at verse 42, the next day. And it came to pass about the next day that the people went out of the field. And they told Abimelech, and so he he took his people and divided them into three companies, which, by the way, is exactly what his dad did, Gideon. He has the tactics of his father, but not the heart of his father. And he lay in wait in the field, and he looked, and there were people coming out of the city, and he rose against them, and he attacked them. And then Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward, stood at the entrance of the gate of the city, and the other two companies rushed upon all who were in the fields, and he killed them. So Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He took the city, and he killed the people who were in it, and he demolished the city and sowed it with salt. Stop right there, eyes up here. This is just gross upon gross. Gaul's gone now, licking his wounds, maybe dead, his people too. And then all of a sudden, Abimelech looks at Zebul and says, let's kill everyone in Shechem. Excuse me, who was that? Shechem. My mom's brothers. My mom's dad. My family. Let's kill, let's kill everyone here. The people that I've been leading for three years. And all of a sudden, he turns on his people and destroys them all. Again, the Antichrist. The Antichrist will do the same thing, leading people to follow him until his true colors are exposed. We see this not just in the Antichrist in the future predicted in the book of Revelation, but we see this in a lot of rulers over the years, even in present times. In the Middle East, certain people groups will be raised up and say, look, I got to keep going and you're standing in my way and whole people groups will be euthanized and taken out. It's disgusting and gross. Well, this is exactly what Abimelech is doing. Look at verse 40. It says that he sowed it with salt. What they would do is they would kill everyone and then they would take salt and put it into the ground. It was both a symbolic gesture of ruling over them, but also of making it so that ground was no longer fertile and could not be rebuilt. Look at verse 46. We've got a few more verses. We've got to hustle here, but we're going to do it and make some comments and then worship the Lord. Now when, all the men of the lower, now, when all the men of that tower of Shechem had heard that they entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Bereth, and it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together, then Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, and he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand, and he cut down a bow from one of the trees, and he took it and laid it on his shoulder. 
And then he said to the people who were with him, what I have done, what you have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. So each of the people likewise cut down his own bow and followed Abimelech, put them against the stronghold and set the stronghold on fire above them so that all the people of the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. Stop right there, ice up here. He takes an ax and cuts a branch off a tree. The tree always speaks of the cross. He puts it on his shoulder says, do as I have done, just like our Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, bearing the cross of salvation and forgiveness. Unlike this Abimelech, this type of antichrist who says, follow me as I kill everyone, as I light this hellfire on others, your Savior, our Savior, Jesus, took hell upon himself that we might be saved. There's all kinds of parallels here you can double-click on and develop yourself as we see the gospel, even in the Old Testament. And all these men and women are brutally killed burned to death. Look at verse 50. Then Abimelech went to Thebes, and he encamped against Thebes, and he took it. But there was a strong tower in the city, and all the men and women, all the people of the city fled there and shut themselves in, and they went up to the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower, and he fought against it, and he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. Look at verse 53. But a certain woman, no name, just a certain woman, dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. And then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said, hey, draw your sword and kill me, lest they say of me, a woman killed me. (laughs) Come on, Abimelech. Those are your last words. Hey, kill me real quick. That way nobody knows a woman killed you. Guess what? We all know, bro. It's too late. Can you imagine if you have like 10 seconds left to live and those are your last words? Like your last words should be, Lord, save me. I'm an idiot, you know. But instead, listen, he's still trying to save face. He's still trying to promote himself. Oh, how gross. How offensive. His armor bearer, you got to kill me quick because, man, I can't go down on history like that. And I love how the person who wrote Judges like just records it as it is like, your secret's safe with us, bro. (laughs) writing the facts, you know? Oh, man. So his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Wow. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father by killing his 70 brothers. And all the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads. And on them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jeroboam. I'm going to have Pastor Tobias who's going to come up and lead us in a song. And we're going to worship the Lord in the last couple moments we have together. Kind of a crazy story. And those of you who are maybe visiting or new here, like, wow, you guys are crazy. You know, Judges chapter 9. Of you who know God's word, though, God's word is light and it's truth. God's word preserves and it's been proven. God's provided it for us. The Bible says in the New Testament, two separate places, 1 Corinthians and Romans, that the Old Testament stories were given to us as examples for our learning, for our admonition, for our comfort, and for our hope. It's the real story. God recorded humanity as it is in order that we could grow and become men and women that are different than they were, that we can cling to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the two main principles that I see here, because everything in verse no, verses 57 verses of chapter 9, what not to do, part 1 and 2, you can go download the sermon from two weeks ago and listen to both of them. And yet in the very end, did you read the very last verse? All the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads, and on them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Drumable. Jotham stood up there, young Jotham. His name means Jehovah is perfect. 
And he said, what's going to happen next, guys, is there's going to be fire that's going to come. There's going to be fire that's going to come from Abimelech, this bramble bush, this bush that's good for nothing but causing problems. I promise you. It's just the way it is. I promise you. And three years went by. No fire. Just weird stuff. But all the promises of God are yes and amen, both good and bad. And what God wants us here at South Beach Church to do in the year 2023, on September 3rd, is to say, Lord, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, I don't want to just continue to hide my stuff or justify it. I don't want to just continue to write my own narrative and have people think more of me than they ought to. Self-promotion, may we all repent of that. If you worked as hard on your true character as you worry about what other people think about you, let's, I'm gonna say that again. If you worked as hard on your true character as much as you actually care about what people thought about you, you would actually become the man or woman God wants you to be. And you wouldn't have to justify yourself. You wouldn't have to promote yourself. You would be a fruitful tree, like the fig, like the olive tree, like the vine. God wants to do a beautiful work in you. He wants you to press into him. He wants you to relinquish the things of the past, relinquish the things of darkness. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna make opportunity in the last couple minutes, we're gonna sing a song. I'm gonna have everyone stand up right now. Let's all stand up and worship the Lord. This is your time to say, yes, Lord, search my heart. But if there's anything in your life right now, you need to just bring to the altar and say, Lord, I don't wanna take this home with me. I don't wanna be the same man that I was when I got here. Can you come down right now? Come down to the altar, put your hands on the stage or just come stand here by way of example, by way of response to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I don't wanna be the same. I want change in my life. And I can have the pastors come forward right now, some of the prayer people, some of the elders of the church, the leaders. Can you guys come up forward too and just pray for people? In Jesus' name, the Lord's brought you today on purpose. Don't waste this opportunity to let the Lord fill you with this Holy Spirit, to do a new work in you. I've been running with the Lord for long enough. And in times of my life, I've also ran away from the Lord. I know what it's like. Don't run away from the Lord this morning. He sees you and he loves you. His promises for you are yes and amen. And he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't been doing silly stuff like Abimelech and Shechem and Gaul and Zebul. But maybe you're like Jotham and you've been faithful to God's word. But maybe you're tired this morning. Maybe you've been faithful in your marriage, faithful in your singleness, faithful in your ministry, but you need the Lord to fill you with your Holy Spirit. You need the Lord to fill you with His Holy Spirit so you can be the man or woman that you are intended to be. Would you just come forward right now if that's you and you need to be filled, you need to be touched. Maybe school's starting for you, you're scared, you just need that double anointing and double filling. Would you just come right now and let the Holy Spirit minister to every single person. Lord, we love you and we need you, Lord, and I surrender to you. Lord, if I was down in the crowd, I would come up during both of these. I would say there's things in my life right now that need to be brought to the light. There's things in my life that need to be put into the ground. Things in my life that need to be done away with. No more compromise. No more silliness. No more using my tongue to talk about other people or to say these things, but instead to bring life. And I would come to the front. But then again, if you asked me to come forward to be filled, to be the man you've called me to be, I would run to the stage and say, yes, Lord, make me the husband you want me to be. Make me the father you want me to be. Make me the pastor you called me to be. So Lord, would you bless this time as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come to the front if you need prayer. We're going to sing this song right now. I'm going to jump down and just pray for people right now as we respond to the Lord. Amen.